0: Hi everyone! I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time stories.
1: stories!
0: A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, mysteries, cults, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, or even just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is that, Sarah? Because it's our show, and, and nine years. Nine
1: years.
0: Okay, so this week we're doing something a little different.
1: Yeah, we're going to rip the band-aid off right now.
0: Yeah. It's a Throwback Thursday, y'all.
1: The, 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 the Throwback Thursday! Throwback Thursday!
0: <laughs> Sometimes we'll release an old episode of bonus content to kind of ha- tide you over on the next week, but we decided this week we actually just want to replay an old episode.
1: Yeah, let's take it back. We tell you every week to start back at the beginning, and we know some of you don't listen. So...
0: So now we're going to make you. No.
1: We're not going to make you, but we're going to kind of make you. But also, Stephanie and I are busy, boss-ass bitches who have busy lives, and we also need a week off. So we're going to th- 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 throw back Thursday, and mm-hmm. we're going to send you back and have you re And But instead
0: of not releasing anything at all, we decided that we just wanted to replay one of our old favorites.
1: Yeah, because we will never leave you empty-handed, whether it is Absolutely a bonus not. content or a throwback Thursday, you will always have something in your feed from Dead Time Stories until the day that we die.
0: So whether you've (laughs) been listening to this show from the beginning when we started making content, if you started recently and didn't start from the beginning, or if you started recently and did start from the beginning, here's a little flashback, and we're going to play an old episode for you right now. Thanks for listening.
1: Take a listen. I thought you were going to say it, but you didn't. Oh,
0: I should have.
1: You want to try it? One, two, three. Take, Take a,
0: a listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's scary, world. Um, all right, let's start over. Start what over? Hey everybody. (laughs) Welcome to episode 8 of Dead Time Stories. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Dead Time Time Stories. Stories. Welcome everybody. Hello, hello. So this is our first time totally completely on our own. We are... Uh, I mean, completely. Well, we started alone in your bedroom. But Everyone now,
1: starts alone, don't we, technically? We start alone and we
0: die alone. Damn. <sighs> anyway, so we're recording in the uh, the basement at Eric's house. Um, but Eric and Mary Angela are gone for the holiday weekend, and it's just us here. And I turned on all the things. All by myself. They're not broken. All the lights are on, guys. I see I, bars. I am. Recording by our names.
1: I have headphones on. Like, I hear our voices. It's exciting.
0: And then when we're done, I'm going to send you the files and you're going to edit the files. and Really quickly. It's going to be cool. Because
1: so. let's be honest, Wednesday is the 4th. I will not be editing this
0: on the 4th. <laughs> like, this I'm will be to get done. This done. So I can get my ass drunk. I
1: mean, I don't know about drunk, but like a solid. Sure. steady day buzz. That's fair. You know, we are at that solid steady point where you're just like, I feel good all day long, but not drunk to where the next morning
0: you regret everything that you did. You know, I do know what you mean. Feeling good. Feeling good. So yeah, what I was just saying is that I feel like I sound totally different um, because my voice is so strange for my show, which is over now. This is the last weekend of it. It was really great. Um, it was a fantastic experience, but yeah, I don't sound, I don't feel like I sound like myself, which is very strange. But Honestly, I'm still guys, me. I promise I haven't been replaced by a different actor I
1: brought in a different actor I couldn't <laughs> handle Stephanie. what Stephanie
0: was doing anymore I she's was like
1: listen we're having issues with Stephanie um, I need to bring in the stunt double stunt double so here she is she's Stephanie with an
0: F <laughs> you fucking bitch <laughs> I'll kill you I know where you sleep it's in the room next to my room <laughs> um
1: you all heard it she threatened so if we get a netflix special because i'm dead oh no stephanie
0: what'd you do what'd you do oh my god this would be the key piece of evidence they would use against me it'd be horrible how are you gonna get rid of the
1: evidence it's out there for everyone to hear from now on forever not
0: if this happens between now and whenever this podcast airs (laughs) no um side note like <laughs> uh, I was like, take this as you will. Related on uh, funny note, but um, I wrote like a, my own like RL style RL Stein style like m- mystery when I was in middle school, right? Of course you did. Um, because I was yeah, exactly, Exa- right. Of course, because you did. I'm like a, I've, I've always been like a writer and like I've always been into this kind of shit. Um, but I wrote a story for like my friends and I used like real names because it was like for my friends and somebody like found it and they. I got talked to you by, like, the security officer at my school because they thought I was going to, like, Columbine my school. <gasps> sp- I'm so serious. Like She it was- wrote this book about – what did you do to your
1: friends in this book? First of all,
0: I wasn't even the killer. The science teacher was the killer because the science <laughs> teacher was the person who got me into Fear Street books. So it was, like, an homage to, like, my science teacher. But, no, like – it was, like, a bunch of, like, kids in the school got killed by the science teacher.
1: Which is saying, thank you, science teacher, for showing me these books. Let me write this let book me write about my, you killing your Like, let me write my own,
0: like, R.L. sign, like, Fear Street murder mystery, and the science teacher it was And the your was, science done teacher it. was like, I don't know. I didn't ask her to do this. I don't
1: know where she got this <laughs> idea from. I haven't touched these kids. But, yeah, like,
0: oh, my God. Like, it was, like, really, like, blown out of proportion. And, like, like... Yeah, they had a big talk with me about how they were afraid I was going to hurt people, and it was really scary. And my mom made me get every copy back from all of my friends, and she burned them in <gasps> front of me in the fireplace. Like, I'm so serious. Oh my God. I know. It's crazy. I, I know. I know. And my mom was so like – it's gone forever? It's gone. But my mom was like, if you ever, like, get in trouble for anything, they're going to bring this up and say, like, that you're this kind of person. And I was like, I'm just an artist. <laughs> like, I just, I'm just a creative. So, like – Don't use this as evidence against me when Sarah gets murdered in her sleep.
1: Because she's just a creative, creatively (laughs) a killer. Um, I have an R.L. Stein story. Have I told you mine? No. So when I was a kid, I was into all this super macabre stuff. Yeah. And I, um, we had that AR reading list. Did
0: you ever have that in school? Accelerated could, reader, bitch! I got trophies for how good I was. A girl, tell me reader. about it. That's Again, all I I'm did. I'm like, I was a crea- I was just a creative weird kid. Like, how dare they? Exactly. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Exactly.
1: Same thing. So I was on that AR list, but that also meant that my parents could see every book that I checked out of the library because they could like get online and. see the directory or they could get online and see which
0: books i took a test on but it's fine you can my
1: parents were so overprotective right and i can say like i'm pretty sure my mom doesn't listen to this um but they got online they saw that i had checked out a few rl stein books and i got in trouble and i got just grounded for reading the books for
0: reading the books gosh
1: that's how strict my parents were also we weren't allowed to read harry potter because there was witchcraft in it. Yeah, no. And I couldn't read All Stein because that was scary, horror, and I didn't need to be reading that. Yeah, no. But I could get out books about mummification. No big deal. Let her learn about how they take a dead body and stick a crochet hook up their nose and pull out their brains. That's fine. But don't let her hear about a puppet that comes to life and you know terrorizes people. That's, that's the deal.
0: That's the devil. That's yeah, why I got in trouble
1: and I got grounded for reading R.L. Like we Stein. could do a
0: whole episode about growing up in the South. Oh my god! Like, and getting in and trouble for the for most the, ridiculous yeah, for that shit. Kind of stuff. I
1: also told you I got grounded for being late, no. coming from a Bible study. Oh my god, Sarah! To circle it back for one second, because I also found other books that I could read that were dark that my parents didn't realize. They just knew that R.L. Stein was like bad, the devil, right? Mm-hmm. So I could read like Roll Doll. I found this author. I don't know if you ever heard of her. Betty Renwright? No. She wrote, and I have a few of her books, but just like young adult ghost stories that were just, actually, yeah. I was like, I went back and bought a few of them on Amazon just for nostalgia's sake and read them. And they're just like silly, cheap, like super easy reads, but they're really good ghost stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's great. And my mom didn't know. And I got to the point, I wrote her a letter once. Aw. Yeah. I like found her, I'm pretty sure she was dead, but I I wrote her a letter. Yeah. That's adorable. Anyways, yeah. Under our own ghost stories, we were allowed. We yeah, a really I was allowed. I was kind of allowed
0: to read, like whatever. Um yeah. I
1: was within reason. Looking back, I'm like, yeah, no, I got in trouble for like a few books, but then once I got older, my parents were like, ah, it's fine. Let her read all the Stephen King she wants. There were there
0: were never any books I wasn't allowed to read. The only things that I remember I specifically wasn't allowed to watch was I wasn't allowed to watch Ren and Stimpy, and I wasn't allowed to watch Beavis and Butthead. But I didn't like Ren and Stimpy because it was gross. But I watched Beavis and Butthead anyway. I Those were not <laughs> That was not the only even, thing I wasn't supposed to watch. I watched it anyway. Those I, were not even on generally. the table.
1: Like, right. Like, no, we I We didn't know. even talk about it. I told you we weren't allowed to watch Rugrats for the longest time. My mom loved My mom was my into Nicktoons. So, my mom was super into Nicktoons. She thought Angelica was going to be a bad influence on right. us. Girl, Angelica is my
0: spirit animal. No. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> my spirit animal is her Barbie doll. What's Where's her name? Cynthia. <laughs> Cynthia. Cynthia! Oh my god! Well,
1: Cynthia's beat the fuck up, but she has the
0: nicest things. Girl, she do. I love her hair, like the three <laughs> big like strands <laughs> of hair and the bald spot spots where her hair has clearly been like ripped out. My mom was a fan of Rugrats and Doug. She likes oh, those I two shows. Doug. And then when I was in middle school, like my mom was still into Nicktoons, and I was at that age where I was like, I'm too old for this. But I remember my mom really liked As Told by Ginger. Oh, um, I remember that. And. That show Rocket Power, uh, she Aww. watched it, but I don't think she. Was. I was I was never into those. I was a little too old for those. Those are like just past my like my prime. The end of mine is probably Wild Thornberry. So it's probably okay. like the latest Nick tune that I was still like actively into. I liked it. Um, so yeah. You so this week, episode. yeah, no, I'm cool with it. What's your um,
1: story today, staff? So it's not really a
0: story. Is I'm going to talk about a place. Um and the place I'm gonna talk about we've just mentioned in passing on another episode, I don't even know if you remember, but I'm gonna be talking about Chillingham Castle.
1: Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't have remembered if you had said it like normal, <laughs> but since you said it like that, I'm like, oh no, okay, 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 All right. right, right, all right. Um, uh, tell me about it. So
0: Chillingham Castle. Oh, so we've I got mentioned chills. it in a previous episode, um, just in passing, because you were saying that they took the Anguished Man painting there yes. to see if um, they thought it was like haunted or whatever. But then they and like some weird shit happened. But, Someone
1: like threw a bench, or but they, they flipped over a bench,
0: right? And they didn't know if they could really like say that it was because of the painting because chillingham castle is already considered like super haunted so i'm gonna tell you so how
1: haunted is it
0: so haunted that people um do ghost tours there oh that's that's a reasonable amount of haunted i guess so (laughs) (laughs) so um chillingham castle is considered one of the most haunted uh places in all of britain and it's up in the north it's near the border of like um England and Scotland, and even though it's an English castle, um, it was never lost to the Scottish, but it was, like, like, the Scottish, like, tried to take it over a bunch of times. So there's been a lot of bloodshed around the castle. So that's where, like, a lot of the – that's why it's thought. It's more of, like – like, we talk about poltergeist kind of thing. Like, it maybe goes to people who actually died there, or it just might be a place where, like, so many people died. There's just this energy around it. Um, but there's been a lot of, of death around Chillingham Castle. So the castle was originally a monastery in the late 12th century. Um, and in 1298, King Edward I stayed at the castle on his way to Scotland to battle a skirmish army led by William Wallace, which is the character that Braveheart is about. That's William Wallace. Um, A glazed window in a frame was uh, specially installed for the king, a rarity in such buildings at the time. Uh, The castle occupied a strategically important location in medieval times. It was located on the border between two feuding nations, right? So I said like between like Scotland and Ireland. So like the placement of it is really important. And it was used as a staging post for the English armies entering Scotland, but it was also repeatedly attacked and besieged by Scottish armies and raiding parties heading south. Uh, the site contained a moat, and in some locations, the fortifications were 12 feet thick. So, like, Jesus. Like, the, it was really designed to, like, try and, like, you know, have this last little space of like occupancy for the british before you hit the scottish border so while it was never ever lost to the scottish like the scottish tried to fuck up this castle every chance but every chance they got right because it's the first thing that they come to when they get past the border right and uh, the building underwent a harsh series of enhancements. And in 1344, a uh, license, I don't know what crenellate crin- like, is. Maybe I should have looked that up. But uh, a <laughs> license to crenellate was issued by King Edward III oh, it's gonna, uh, to allow battlements to, to be built, effectively upgrading the stronghold to a fully fortified castle. So it's got like a big like wall around it. Um, and like I said, it had a moat in certain parts of it. Um, and it's not too far inland from, is that, what is that, the English Channel? Whichever one is like between England and France. I think that's the English Channel. No? Girl, I have no idea. Yeah, no. no. Tell us, UK listeners, how long this is. But, uh, so, I don't even know so how to pronounce the river the, where we live. <laughs> the <Google>. Schuylkill. The what? <laughs> the Guys, it's spelled S-C-H-U-Y-L-K-I-L-L.
1: And I don't even know if that's the correct spelling. I know it's that, just so. I fucked. know how to like, spell it. I know that I know
0: how to spell it. I don't know how to say it.
1: I just phonetically I think doesn't it's make Schuugle. sense,
0: right? But like phonetically, you're like, what the fuck? And is And we're this?
1: only hearing people say it to us with a Philly accent, right. too, like, Which just
0: ruins everything. The waters well. of the Skewkel River. So I'm like, you I don't just know. Say? Okay, anyways. Um, so in 1617, James the uh, First, who was the first king of both England and Scotland, stayed at the castle on a journey between the two kingdoms as. Related Relations between the two countries became peaceful following the union of the crowns. The need for a military stronghold in the area declined, and the castle was gradually transformed. Uh, the moat was filled, and the battlements were converted into resi- uh, residential wings, and a banquet hall and a library were built. So now it's just like a big fancy so now castle. So it's nice. Um, in the 18th and 19th centuries, the grounds underwent landscaping, including work by Sir Geoffrey Whiteville. Um, the once extensive park is now under a separate ownership from the castle. Uh, During the Second World War, the castle was used as an army barracks. During this time, much of the decorative wood is said to have been stripped out and burned by the soldiers who stayed there. Uh, After the war, the castle began to fall into disrepair lead had to uh, or sorry lead had to be removed from the roof uh, resulting in extensive weather damage to large parts of the building and in 1982 the castle was purchased by Sir Humphrey Wakefield the second baronet whose uh, wife Catherine is descended from the Grays of Chillingham and Wakefield set about uh, painstaking restoration of the castle sections of the castle are open to the public and holiday apartments are available for hire and the um huh. that's the family that still that still owns it currently Okay. Um, And they have had it like since 1982.
1: Does this guy have any ties to this place other than he saw it and wanted to, you know, take it back? Um, her
0: family, his wife, like, Mm -hmm. she's descendant from from some of the original owners. Okay. So, um he purchased it, I think. I don't know who like had it at the time. I think it was still owned kind of by the government or whoever. But um his wife had ties to it. I think is why okay. he ended up buying it. Um Nice. Its current owners market the castle as being the most haunted castle in Britain.
1: All right, tell me about this haunting. Um,
0: I'll tell you a little bit about like this just in passing, and then I'll tell you specifically from the castle's website the ghosts that they acknowledge that are
1: and that they're like all right, yeah, no, we got these. These are the four ghosts
0: that that are the they castle proud?
1: Are they proud of the ghosts?
0: The castle? Oh yeah, they do. I was like, ghost some places chores. aren't. Yeah, it's not like yeah, it's not like Eastern State, which I love Eastern State, but yeah, Eastern State is like. You know, the haunted thing is whatever. Like, this is a place where some awful things happened. Let's talk about that. Um, no, they definitely, at Chillingham, they definitely push up the fact that it's haunted and they do ghost tours and, like, let okay. people, like, stay the night. Oh, yeah. They're into it. So its current owners market, they market the castle as being the most haunted castle in Britain. Great. Uh, it's been investigated on television and radio, namely uh, Most Haunted, I'm Famous and Frightened, <laughs> Scariest <laughs> Places on Earth.
1: Naked and Afraid. I knew it. Holiday
0: Showdown. Uh, Alan Rob, uh, Alan Robson's Night Owls, Ghost Hunters International. And it's the subject of the setting of a documentary called A Blood Red Sky from 2013. Uh, Some of the ghosts are written about are referred to in a 1925 pamphlet by uh, Lenora, the Countess of Tankerville. Others, (laughs) such as John Sage, are more are more recent inventions. The most famous ghost of the castle is the blue boy or the radiant boy. Uh, who, according to the owners, used to haunt the pink room in the castle. Guests supposedly s- reported seeing blue flashes and a blue halo of light above their beds after a loud wailing. Ooh. It's claimed that the haunting ceased after renovation work revealed a man and a young boy inside a 10-foot thick wall. What? Yep. <laughs>
1: Are you just going to gloss over
0: that and not give me any more info? I- I'm going to give you that. <sighs> that's all that is on like the first place that I got information from. Um so they were renovating and they found a body of two a bodies in the wall and a, of a man and a little boy. Do they know who they are? It doesn't say.
1: <gasps> oh my god, why were they in the wall?
0: I don't know. Oh my <laughs> god. Uh... Um so this is um from uh the website um for, for Chillingham Castle and it this is about the history of the castle. It's, it's not super long. Um, So the 12th century stronghold became the fully fortified Chillingham Castle in 1344, and the family bloodline has remained ever since. We have the document giving the royal permissions to add battlements. The castle was much besieged and battled, and the family all went off to those early wars in France. They captured a Norman castle in 1409 and were made earls of Tankerville and were even made dukes in their early warrior days. There are many mentions in Shakespeare and in royal archives of this castle. The many (gasps) commanding generals of the castle include record 18 nights of the garter royal appointments were balanced out by no less than eight ex- executions for high treason. Family members chose different sides to support, and so Chillingham Estate survived, and the loser always had a friend at court. That's in quotes. Chillingham occupied a strategic position uh, during northern uh, uh, during Northumberland's bloody border feuds, which now, like, it's called I think it was called Umbria at the time, but now it's called Northumberland. Chillingham Castle was often under attack and often bashed in the uh, patronage of royal visitors, a tradition that remains to the this day, Sir Henry Wakefield was Treasurer of England and King Edward the Fourth. And in the last century, Sir Humphrey's father, uh, Sir Edward Wakefield, was both Treasurer and Comptroller of the Queen's Household. In 1245, Henry the uh, came to Chillingham, as did King Edward's the First and James the First. Charles I stayed here for three frantic nights shortly before he was imprisoned. Mm -hmm. Edward VIII came to hunt here, and members of today's royal family continued the tradition with private visits to the castle. The medieval castle remains as it was just with galleries that you see today added in Tudor days for the visit of King the, uh, King James VI of the Scotland. The king was en route to his English coronation as James I of England. The castle commander of that day was Queen Elizabeth's godchild. He was the go-between for the English and Scottish courts during those difficult times of the royal succession and kept fascinating diaries of those days. Ooh. In the 18th century, uh, Capability Brown's ideas re-landscaped the grounds and Robert Adams' pupil Peterson worked on the East Wing in 1832 King uh, Louis Philippe of France which that's who both my dad and my brother are named after both my brother and my dad are Louis Philippe and um, but we're Americans, so they get called Louis Philip, but they're actually Louis-Philippe, and that's how it's spelled. Uh, King Louis-Philippe of France <laughs> came to stay and gave us fine urns from Versailles Palace. Extravagant gardens and avenues were laid out for the royal visit by Sir Geoffrey Wyattville, uh, fresh from his triumphs at Windsor Castle. Mm-hmm. Throughout the centuries, the castle's architectural detail and massive walls have remained mo- unchanged, and the medieval strength and character remi- remains. Wow. So, let's where talk them, about the them ghosts? ghosts. <laughs> Now, this is from the Chillingham Castle website, talking about the ghosts. I'm ready. Chillingham Castle boasts some of the highest levels of paranormal activity in the country, with a large collection of specters and apparitions spotted by visitors over the years. The poet Longfellow begins an apt description of Chillingham with the following verse. All houses in which men have lived and died are haunted houses. Through the open doors, the harmless phantoms of their errands glide, with feet that make no sound upon the floors. And he wrote that about about Chillingham Chillingham Castle. Oh, okay. Oh. You might be lucky enough to spot them during the day, but for the best chance, you should visit the castle at night on one of our highly popular guided ghost tours, exploring the haunted areas of the castle grounds. If you would like to delve deeper into Chillingham's paranormal activity, why not attend one of our all-night vigils? The castle has its own paranormal team called Chillingham Castle Uncovered, headed by lead investigator and head ghost guide, Graham Burney. Extra. Do you
1: think I could get the guy who owns the Anguish Man to let us borrow it, and we go do oh God, an overnight just, vigil?
0: Oh, because you know Sarah, he shared our story. It, I know it made me really excited. Sean? If we make enough, <laughs> if we make him, like make this show popular enough that we could afford to fucking go there, I would totally do that. I would do. An, I would pee my pants. <laughs> I'd bring a diaper. <laughs> bring your own be. bed sheets. Like you're at the Velisca Murder House. Um, Extracts from recent visitors in Chillingham's haunted rooms. These are, I love if it says extracts. These are We would call these testimonials in America. I felt this hand on my arm. It was most friendly feeling, and I believe someone was trying to guide me to see something. My camera just would not take a picture of the orbs and lighting that I saw. Yet when I developed my film, there were just these same orbs, but in different places and rooms literally all over the place. The guy told me not to be frightened, and funnily, I was quite happy, even the distinct whispering I heard in King James Edward's room. At least it all sounds friendly enough. Right? They sound like friendly ghosts. Meet the ghosts. Casper. So there are four things that they mentioned specifically on the Chillingham website. Okay. Uh, The white pantry ghost. In what is called the inner pantry, a frail figure in white still appears. The silver was stored here and a footman employed to sleep here and guard it. Historically, one night when the footman had turned in to sleep, he was accosted by this lady in white. Very pale, she begged him for water. Thinking it was one of the castle guests, he turned to obey. Suddenly, he remembered he was locked in and no visitor could have possibly entered. The same pale figure is seen today and thought for longing for water suggests poisoning. The ghost in the chamber. Not all ghosts are those we see. Some are merely felt as impalpable impressions on the air, as the poet Tennyson says. There is this sense of something unseen yet distinctly moving. It can be a chill, dark, creeping sensation, or maybe just an oppressive atmosphere. Voices in the chapel. In the chapel beside the Great Hall, the voices of two men are often heard talking. It is never possible to follow their words, and they stop talking if one makes serious efforts to trace them. (gasps) What are they talking about? That's just it. Nobody knows. And if you try and get close to listen, they stop talking. They're (gasps) like, somebody listen, bitch. (gasps) Is is that turtle with a candle on its back? (laughs) That's from the little hours. Um, Ghosts in the Courtyard. When the moonlight casts shadows of the battlements across the worn flagstones, it is positively hard not to see the shades and shadows come to life.
1: All right. That just sounds like your eyes are playing with you. What is that? Pareidolia? No,
0: that's not it. They're, um, so you can stay there, uh, except during the winter, but they're open pretty much year round for holidays. They do all sorts of things. Um and then the other thing about Chillingham. So besides the now this isn't necessarily paranormal, this is just weird. So behind, besides the ghosts of Chillingham Castle, there's also the Chillingham cattle. <laughs> Which
1: Okay, are they haunted too?
0: Th- those These are real. These are actually real cattle that live in the area okay. that are like genetically different from cattle like everywhere else because Wait. they've been secluded for so long. <gasps> these are very real, the Chillingham cattle. um They have their own Wikipedia page, <laughs> but this is from the website. It's called The Wild Beasts of Chillingham. The wild cattle are a separate visitor attraction from the castle. They are the only wild cattle in the world, sole survivors of herds that once roamed the forests of Britain. Once they were held sacred and pre-Christian pagans sacrificed them to their gods. Later in their history, this herd both defended and fed the castle. These animals are still potentially dangerous and can only be visited with the warden, who will take you as close as safely possible and explain their more recent history and their way of life. Remember, they are rarer than any endangered panda or mountain gorilla and are simply the only wild cattle in the world. Um, And there's only like 90 of them. Um, and so they're, they're trying
1: to get them to make some babies,
0: um well, they've made babies, but like they're they have all these weird genetic anomalies because they've been like from all these like years of of inbreeding um because they're just not they're so secluded, they're mm-hmm. not around any other cattle to breed with um The herd has remained remarkably genetically isolated for hundreds of years, surviving despite inbreeding depression due to the small population. There's a small reserve herd of about 20 animals located on Crown Estate land uh, near, I wouldn't know how to pronounce that, (laughs) in northeast Scotland. Um, The Chillingham cattle are related to White Park cattle in the sense that the Chillingham herd has contributed to the White Park, though there have been no gene flow the other way. The Chillingham cattle are small with upright horns in both males and females. Bulls weigh around 300 kilograms, cows about 280 kilograms. They are white with colored eyes that may seem to have um, some color on their feet, nose, and around the eyes. In the case of the Chillingham cattle, the ear color is red. In most white park animals, the ears are black, which is genetically dominant over the red. Uh, Chillingham cattle are generally primitive conformation, while White parks are classical British beef con- confirmation, so like that's crazy. They have their own fucking wild. That's crazy, but th-
1: that's. I wonder what it tastes like.
0: Oh, Right, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's endangered, so don't go. They for probably it. don't eat it um, anymore. Wow, that's its own thing. So they have their own ghost cows, in addition to like just their regular ghosts. So yeah, so that's um, Chillingham Castle. <laughs> Chillingham, or I'm just chilling ham. Crazy. Has anyone caught anything? Like any... Um, there is some footage stuff. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but there are some videos because, like I said, they've been on a bunch of shows, apparently, and I mm-hmm. assume most of those are British shows except for Ghost Hunters International.
1: Well, that's a, that's goes back and forth. I was never a big fan of Ghost Hunters International.
0: Huh,
1: no.
0: oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm interested about I'm Famous and Scared. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I bet it's great. I feel like we need to pitch this to Naked and Afraid.
0: <laughs> right? Have them go to Chillingham.
1: Go to Chillingham.
0: So what are you talking about this week, Sarah?
1: All righty. So this week, let me just get my papers. I typed this shit up this week, bitch. Get it, girl. I'm fucking killing it. Um, Girl, don't let... I pulled this together in like an hour. But in my defense, it's a story that I know. So I originally saw this story... Actually, let me back up for a second. I'm not doing a ghost story. I'm doing an unsolved mystery.
0: Ooh, dee 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 Meow. What is that from? Or did you just make it up? That's the theme from Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, is it? Yes. Shows how much I've watched that show. Yeah, I was like, I'm also yeah, like older than you, and I was too young to watch it. So, so you watched it? Yeah, exactly. I was allowed to. Was on Lifetime with Robert Stack. I don't rub it in my face. Um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so this is an unsolved mystery, and I originally saw this right after I graduated college. When I was on a, I used to go on a big binge, and I would go surf all through Cracked.com. I don't know if you're a cracked.com person. I can't. Back when they used to be good. I've
0: looked, I was like, I've, yeah. I Back have. when it used to be good before it was like taken over by ads.
1: Me. It's all ads now. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, they had posted something about this incident, and that's where I first saw it. And I have read things about it. And every time I see it pop up, I'm always like, I want to read about it. Mm-hmm. So, what I'm going to tell you about today is I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong the Diet Love Pass Incident. Okay. It happened in Russia. So forgive me for all of the names. I'm going to try to say all the names because, spoiler alert, all these people died. Um, So it's, you know, like nice to say their names. So the yeah uh, that sounds about right.
0: It's an sure. accent. It, you- when you say it with an accent, it sounds more right. Ditlov. The Ditlov. Is It's love mystery. Ditlov pass incident. Okay. That's
1: Okay. Um, okay, so in January of 1959, nine Soviet college students were killed under mysterious circumstances while hiking through the Ural Mountains in what is now known as the Dyatlov That was awful pass incident. What year did you say it was? 1959. Okay, that's not terribly long ago. Yep. Now, uh a side note about this. Originally there were 10 of these students going, but on the way for the hiking one of the guys was like oh my my rheumatism is acting out my knees are bothering me sure. i can't keep going so he survived uh, but the rest of them was like fuck this kept going sure so on january 31st 1959 23 year old skier hiker igor love. Uh, and his team of eight experienced uh, hikers from the Ural Polytechnal Institute. So they were all friends who had graduated or, you know, were still in college together. They were all experienced
0: right. hikers, this mountaineers. Was not their, their first road yet. Nope, they knew what they were doing. Or their first hiking trip. Uh,
1: they embarked on a journey to reach the peak of Otterton, uh, a mountain in the northern Ural's. So there are nine of them. I'm not going to say all of their names right now. But you're dealing with, if I'm not mistaken, it's seven boys and two girls. Okay. So they all go out and they embark. What's also interesting about this, and you can see all of this online, they took cameras with them. Mm -hmm. And so there are a ton of pictures of just these nine... Early 20 something year old kids out for a hike. They're going to go, you know, in the ski and like they're Russian. So, of course, these are crazy, inclement weather. Right. And they're they're seeing like fabric tents, but they're into it. And there are all these like great pictures of them like hugging and having fun and things like that. And um, yeah. And all of this is available online. So, before they left, the lead guy, Igor Dietlov. Uh, had agreed that he would send a telegram to their sports club as soon as the group returned back from the hike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was expected to happen no later than February 12th. So he's assuming about you know 12 days for the hike. But Ditlov had told the guy who didn't join them, the 10th person, before his departure from the group that he honestly thought that the trip was going to last a little bit longer than just 12 days so when the 12th day passed and they didn't hear from them they didn't immediately they didn't it was react a big deal. Right. exactly um, so it was not until the relatives of the travelers demanded a rescue operation on February 20th that the head Damn. of the Institute sent the first rescue the 20th. groups. So they sent the first rescue groups consisting of volunteer students and teachers. Uh, Yes. So they set out on the 31st. They were found on the 26th. Well, they found the group's tent on the 26th of February. Um, So they searched for them for six days. They found them on the mountain slope of, and I'm not going to even be able to say this right, but the meaning of the name of this mountain slope means dead mountain in the language of the indigenous Mansi people of the region. Um, So there are also indigenous people who live in that area. Anyways, yeah, so they found their tent on the mountain slope. The tent had been cut open, um, but all of the team's belongings and shoes were left inside. They then discovered eight or nine sets of footprints from the team walking away from the tent, but the footprints showed that they had been barefoot, or wearing socks, or one of them had just a single shoe. Right? Oh, fuck. Y'all can't
0: see. My jaw is literally dropped. I'm covering my face right now.
1: Wait till I tell you this. The tent had been cut open from the inside.
0: Shut the fuck up. So the
1: tent is cut open from the inside. All their shit is still inside, and they're walking essentially barefoot away from the tent. The tracks led away to the edge of the nearby woods which was nearly a mile away right so they found their tracks one piece oh, of paper down fuck and you oh, have, girl, like, get like, ready three more pieces of paper yes oh my god get ready this story is a fucking trip um all right so at the forest edge they found the first two bodies krivonishenko probably wrong and doroshenko two boys Uh, Around the remains of a small fire that the hikers appeared to have built. And despite the temperature getting down to negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit, both of the men were found shoeless and wearing only their underwear. Not safe for work, but again, you can find all of these pictures online and you can see the pictures of the two bodies lying and they are just wearing their underwear. They're not wearing any other clothing. The branches of the tree above them were broken about five meters up, which suggests that one of the men had potentially climbed up to look for something. Um, between the tree and the campsite, so almost like heading back towards the campsite, they found three more of the hikers. So we found five of Fuck. them, including your leader, Dietlov, some Kolmogrova probably wrong, and Slobodin, and these are all their last names, um, who seemed to have died in poses, suggesting that they were attempting to return to the tent. These three, however, were clothed. But they're all sort of in like a, you know, sprawled out to a certain degree position. Um, While these deaths were odd, they were far from inexplicable. All of the students had died of hypothermia and with no indication of severe external damage. So it was weird, but They died because they were exposed to the cold. Now that's what, five of the bodies? That's five of the nine. Because it was like there were four more people. So it was not until the other four bodies were found two months later that things got really weird. The final four were found in a ravine 75 meters further into the woods from the original tree where the fire had been. They were dressed better than the others, and it appears as though those who had died first had relinquished their clothes to the others. So this guy, Zolotaryov was wearing this girl Dubina's fur coat and hat. That girl, uh, Dubinina's, her foot was wrapped in one of Krivonashenko's wool trousers. Krivonashenko was one of the first two that they found. Um, so it appears as though the people who died first The others who got the furthest away were wearing their clothes. A legal inquest started immediately after they found the first five. So before they even found the other four, they started looking into things. A medical examination found no injuries, which might have led to their deaths on the first five. And it was eventually concluded that they had all died from hypothermia. However, the guy Slobodan had a small crack in his skull, six centimeters, but it was not thought to be a fatal wound. An examination of the four bodies that were found in May changed things completely. Um, three of the ski hikers had crazy fatal injuries. One, this guy's name is going to be super hard, but Thibaut Brignols. One of the guys had major skull damage, like his head had been bashed in. Um, and both the Dubenina, the girl, and Zolulotiv, had major chest fractures and when i say chest fractures i mean it's compared to being surviving blunt force um a force of a car crash like that much of an intense trauma to just totally cave your rib cage in um the force required to cause, cause such damage would have been compared to the force of a car crash Um, notably though the bodies had no external wounds related to the bone fractures so it's not anything super noticeable on the outside so it's almost as if they'd been subjected to like a high level of pressure however on the girl she had major external injuries she was missing her eyes she was missing her tongue part of her lips and most of her facial tissue um, as well as a fragment of her skull bone, all missing. However, she was found like laying, like kneeling against a rock in a stream, but they found that like that wasn't the cause of her death. You know, that's how they found her. Um, At the time of the verdict, it was that all of the group members had died because of a compelling natural force. And that phrase was used over and over again in the inquest, that it was a compelling natural force. And in May... Of 1959, the inquest officially ceased as a result of the absence of a guilty party. So they found him February 26th, started the inquest, and by May, it was done. And they were like, we don't know who did it. It was a compelling natural force, and we're closing the case. Jesus Christ. So. This is fucking horrible. This is so much. This is horrifying. I have weird things... Different theories. Okay. Number one, the tents were cut open from the inside out. What the fuck? That gives the appearance that they were potentially running from something or they were trying to get the fuck away. So some of these are like things that I found online and some of these are also like my train of thought, like questions. Um, So did the clothes willingly come off of their other teammates or did they take their clothes off after they died? And if so... How quickly did those people die in comparison to the other ones? And it is known that hypothermia in the final stages will cause you to feel, feel warm. like you're on fire. Yeah. And so you'll take your clothes off. So did they do that? Who knows? Everyone had different injuries, like ranging from None hypothermia too, to right. fucking crazy. The first two who we found by the fire did have major injuries to their hands, almost as though they had been climbing the tree and the tree above them apparently had pieces of flesh embedded in the cracks of the bark along with the branches overhead being broken. So who knows what the scramble is? The next three all died from hypothermia, but they were found in odd positions, almost like they were crawling, scrambling their way back to the tent. Uh, The leader Jitlov was found with his jacket unbuttoned and both of his hands clenched tightly to his chest. Slobodin is the one that had the small six centimeter fracture to his skull, um, but they said that wasn't why he died. And um, Kolmogorova was found to have suffered injuries to her face and hands and major abrasions and frostbite. Then the final four are the ones that got the worst of it, and they're also the ones that got the furthest away. away. So, yeah. Okay. So, They got the worst of it. They got the furthest away. The one who's got the two-part last name, Thibaut Brignoles, had his skull bashed in. But the crazy thing is that that wasn't necessarily visible from the outside. Like, if you were just to look at the body in the snow, you wouldn't immediately notice that he had his fucking skull bashed in. Well, you said the same thing about the girl's chest, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. The severe injuries inside could not be easily identified Be a basic observation like yeah you couldn't just look at him the other guy zolyotov was also missing his eyes and he was the one who had his chest caved in been s- compressed so hard that it spread and broke his ribs with a force that they c- are say is comparable to a car crash and again the crazy thing is it's not necessarily noticed from the outside so it's almost like there was some sort of a pressure yeah but we don't know um, and then the most shocking was the girl who was discovered again with most of the soft tissue missing from her face both of her eyes were gone her nose was crushed and her tongue was gone now i will say it was a little while before they found the bodies from when they died because they do say that all of them perished within 6 to 8 hours from their last meal right
0: so maybe something maybe happened to their some bodies after they died while they were there, yeah.
1: animals but they're also on the side of the mountain encased in ice and snow so they wouldn't have so really how decomposed. much decomposition would there be? Who knows? These are questions. If anyone has an answer, please let me know because I don't. Spoiler alert, I don't have an answer for any of what I'm going to tell you. It doesn't make you feel better. <laughs> so
0: many questions.
1: Uh, during the night of the tragedy, there was even more weirdness happening. So now we're going to get into some things where people think like this might be what happened. And of course, your first thought is... Aliens. That's your first thought. (laughs) You don't think aliens? The other thought, and
0: I didn't even put this in here, but some people thought it was the uh, like the Russian version of the yeti. See, I was gonna say my thought would be abominable snowman. My first thought would not be aliens. My first thought would be like abominable snowman.
1: (laughs) I mean, like what is worse? I was
0: like some sort of like. Maybe it was both. I was like, I feel like it's some sort of like ghost of the abominable snowman. Like it's they're working together, double teaming, yeah.
1: Um, so, during the night of the tragedy, there was even more weirdness happening in the skies above the students. So, another set of hikers, they were a distance away from the group, mm-hmm. but they claimed to have seen multiple strange... And they were fine. They, yeah, they were able to tell the tale. Right. They were fine. Right. Nothing happened to them. Um, they saw multiple strange orange spheres hovering in the sky. Um, during six weeks around this time... They were a common occurrence of people seeing these strange orange spheres. In addition, Lev Ivanov, who was in charge of some of the investigation at Dutlov Pass, noted in his report at the time that the tops of the trees around the hikers and their campsite were charred and burned. I mentioned they took cameras, right? Yes. So they took cameras with them, and most of their photos were completely normal, pictures of the group, the campsite, etc., However, one photograph has proven to be of great intrigue to investigators. It's the last picture on Krivonchinsko, I'm so sorry, his camera. And it's some bright object moving against a dark background. And again, you can find this online, but it really is just like a ball of light. And you can almost see sort of a trail too for it in a dark, dark background. What makes the taking of the photograph even more interesting too is is the discovery of their camera after the death of the hikers. So they examined the tent, and researchers found that his camera was on an improvised tripod. The lens cap was open, and the camera was ready to shoot. The hikers had sat for a time and premeditated the setting up of this tripod and camera before they made their infamous escape from the tent. Were they setting up the camera to capture an image of whatever ultimately ended their lives? No one really knows what happened, and the case was closed, citing again a compelling natural force. Oh, my
0: God.
1: As the cause.
0: Sarah. And
1: that's the and your last Do it page love... is blank. It is. That's the uh Do it love pass incident.
0: Holy shit. I'm like, and that's no so And no one intense. knows what happened. That shit will give me, that honestly, I was really? like, that shit will give me nightmares. That was really scary. <laughs> Especially like the not no, like the completely
1: inexplicable there, and there is, and they took a camera with them too. There's no way, and we
0: will never know what. And trying to imagine, right, on like what their last like hours were like, are so horrifying
1: because they, obvi- it was a panic. Like obviously, obviously they were out in a of panic. They dressed. left all their shit, and they and had weapons they show, in the stuff.
0: tent, and they didn't even take their weapons with them. Because I'm like, was it that? I'm like, I think aliens, my first thought, of course, was I was like, somebody went crazy. Like, somebody in the group went crazy.
1: That was a thought, too. But then it, they all died.
0: Right. But I'm like, but everybody died.
1: And no one had major injuries that really could have been inflicted by another human being. I don't think another human being can give you the type of a a chest injury the only the, thing, the thing the I could think was like somebody
0: rush. like jumping up and down on someone's chest like that's all, and even that it right, I'm just like, the but skin. it would do right exactly it was like but it would do external damage like you would see something, so the from the inside is like it's what
1: the it's some sort of supernatural bullshit mm-hmm. we'll never know yeah. and it's it's yeah, the scariest thing for me when I first started learning about it was the fact that we're never gonna know what happened, and then it's also the fact that like you can obviously tell that they ran out in a moment of distress. And you had the first two, and they had an idea, and they were like, well, let's set up a campsite, and let's try to figure out what's going on. Where's this thing? Okay, a few of us are going to head out and try to make it back to the camp. That didn't work. And then the last survivors take what they can and try to make it as far as they can, and then they get hit even worse. worse. It's crazy. And then you wonder, like, maybe did those two that they found first, were they the guys who stayed behind while the other ones went to get help? And then, but they didn't have their clothes. It's crazy. And they didn't have their clothes. And they were barefoot. They left their shoes in the tent. That's how quickly they got the fuck out of there. I
0: know. Like...
1: And they were experienced mountaineers. They knew what they were doing. It wasn't our, their first time doing it. So the idea, yeah, I was like that something happened that they were like,
0: something crazy cut the open and go just fucking go, go.
1: we can't even open the tent like cut it open get the fuck out Sarah. and we'll never know what happened that's so is that terrifying like, that's so scary that's don't so go
0: to russia girl for a number of reasons i know but that's another one but some crazy shit and like people like that's what happens when you try and like i was like those are <laughs> experienced russian hikers and like that's what happened like I hear, like, I just always think about when you hear about how like every army that ever tries to invade Russia, the winter hits, mm-hmm. and the Russian soldiers are like, bitch, we were ready for this. Yeah. And that's like, you can't do it. You can't do it. It's happened to like it's happened to Alexander the Great up to fucking Hitler. It happened with Hitler. They're like, let's try and get in Russia. Oh my God, it's cold. Yeah. Like, that's what happens. And Russia's like, ha, girl, we were ready for you. Got Smash you. the vodka bottle, slice your throat, like you're dead. Yeah. So the idea that I'm like So, these were people who, like, they were from there. They knew this climate. They knew this area. If anybody was going to have a successful hiking trip in that area, it was going to be them. And then what the fuck happened? Because it's nothing like. Right, I'm like it's not just like they froze to death on the path, and some people exactly. Are like exactly. No, they like there's some weird shit happened.
1: And even if they had only found the first five, that even could that be was like slightly a explainable. But like that's a little weird that they climbed the tree and they took their clothes off. And maybe they went crazy. The other three were just trying to get back. Uh, yeah, like maybe someone lost and their then shit. Then, those last four then they found the last and you're four, like, Holy fuck. and you're like, those are the ones that got away, and they got that far, and, and some shit even worse happened. happened. Yeah. God. So it's a really great story. I'm sure there might be some points that I missed. And uh, in case anyone emails us to talk about this, there was an indigenous tribe that lives in that area that I did mention, the Mansi. probably pronouncing that wrong. Some people thought that they were capable and that they might have been the people who did this they got on and, and killed them for being on their land etc but there was no still. evidence there was no, exactly. like, There were no other footprints no there was nothing. nothing yeah I'm like that's that's one of those tiny conspiracy threads like ideas theories that people have sure but, um, blame the natives yeah I was like I just want to throw that out there that that's a thing but uh, if I missed anything please shoot us an email let me know I feel like this is such a crazy story this or if is. you that's know of anything uh, glad I could share it with you I feel like a lot of people don't know about it or talk about it either That's and it's fuck fucking crazy then don't go look at the pictures online i know like you can i do find I can all it. of it
0: i don't think i can handle looking at the pictures i did i looked at them all today it was work. fucked up wasn't it
1: yeah well it's like have you ever seen a frozen dead body
0: <sighs> yeah
1: other than in uh what's the fucking evil genius that, there it
0: is Evil genius. The guy that they had to fucking, they had to thaw the freezer. Donk. The thing is, that, yeah, I was like the guy, the biggest thing that got me was the description where the guy was like, he's like, this is a really crude analogy, but if you've ever bought a frozen turkey at the grocery store, it was just like that. And I was like, ah, oh! mm-hmm. but they had to thaw the freezer to get the body out. And then they had to like turn the freezer over and like Donk. dump his frozen ass body out of the freezer. And then it took like days for his body to thaw. Yep. So, yeah, so these are just like frozen bodies, which are
1: they're always darker. Their skin looks like leather. Um, but if you you can see pictures of the ones who oh got the people. bad trauma, you can see it if you choose to look at it. I did. And yeah, I was always like, that's why I want to say their names, because these poor people um, went out there. College kids looking to just have a really good time going on a hiking
0: trip. We're going to bring our cameras and then some crazy shit hit and do them. they I guess they wouldn't really know cuz they were frozen like they could tell they could tell like how long you know they were alive after you know after eating or whatever but could they tell exactly when they died like no. we don't know Mm-mm. if they died like earlier in the trip or if they were out there for like a couple extra days before they died We have no idea.
1: No, I'm not. And I feel like I read something about the timeline and there was a lot of stuff that I read that was giving like descriptions of the mountain they were climbing on and how they got kind of off course and they did get off course. Um, but I want to say they, I mean, they started out, they left their main campsite or whatever on like February 1st and people started looking for them on the 20th. Yeah. So they were definitely out there for a few days. Exactly. Like, like they how, were out yeah. there for a while. Um Sorry. but again, you're stuck in the ice and that poor tense guy, really he is. has to
0: feel like Devin Sawa in Final Destination. <gasps> Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like I just oh. I feel like that must have fucked with him for a while and he could never listen to Rocky Mountain High ever again by John Denver. <laughs> like that dude, can you imagine? No. No. Being like you're just like i fucking was like i can't go i'm sorry I can't and go, then I'm that's really what sorry. happened to them and then crazy shit happens that's fucked up oh my god good luck sleeping that was crazy uh yeah like you're welcome i'm like thank you <laughs> i know and i was like here's our you know another
1: it's not a ghost story it's a mystery and i was doing a lot of research into what i potentially wanted to talk about um and then i came across this per usual, and i was like oh crazy i've never heard that before Ooh, girl yeah get online look it up people if you want if you're into the weird stuff like me um there's a lot of stuff online about it you can find most of the information because it is all public domain um and we'll post
0: safe for work pictures some less horrifying there's pictures of the tent and stuff um speaking of going online You can always email us your own ghost stories or anything that you'd love us to research for you at deadtimestories, with a Z, all one word, at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, deadtimestories, all one word, with a Z. We're the same brand everywhere. Get a girl. We're on Twitter. And, of course, you can... Listen and subscribe on iTunes, on Google Play, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud. Please rate Rate and review Please. That's the best way you can help us. Can't express how much that helps.
1: That helps out so much. And it honestly takes like three seconds of your time. Right
0: and you know tell your friends if you do it right now do it right now tell them listen, hey, listen. you can take five seconds there's we'll that wait. little button it looks like an arrow in a box sometimes you have to hit the dot 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 first they got it but it's like share and yep. it'll be like do you want to share through a message yep. Do you want to share through whatever that's a, that i'll leave that's to on you. you but like share like tell your friends and you know if you like us reach out to us we'd love to hear from you Please. um so yeah thank you so much for listening you guys Good luck getting um, some sleep tonight. Good luck getting some sleep because that was horrifying. Don't go hiking in the mountains of Russia. If I wasn't already afraid of hiking. Like, and oh my aliens. God. Oh, stop. That's Sarah. That's Stephanie. And this is Dead, Dead Time, Time Stories. Stories. Thanks for listening, guys. Air- oh. No, he's not here. It's, it's all Stephanie. me. Stephanie. <laughs> Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Hedins and Stephanie C. Kurnison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman.